much applause since Bob Crane premiered his home movies in my closet. All right. Which star is it? Tom DeLuise. Karen Valentine. Vincent Price. Suzanne Bichette. Burt Reynolds. Carl Reiner. Wally Cox. Hope Lang. Or Paul Lynn. All in the Hollywood Square. And here is the master of the Hollywood Squares, Peter Marshall. Yeah, you're the host of CFX, Jeff and Slip. Welcome. That's right. Welcome. Episode 18, entitled In the Butt Bob, the sexy and horny era of 1970s game shows. And we're really excited about this one. Uh, right. There's a lot of legendary things here, but before we get started, uh, a reminder of the CFX conceit here. So this is where we uh, examine different pieces of uh, cultural ephemera, movies, music, TV shows, game shows, stage, screen, you, you name it. We cover it here, dive into the context of the time they came out, what's happened since, and our take of the future valuation in a kind of go long, go short, stay neutral, stock market kind of way. And for fun and games, and you'll see how it works here if you've this is your first episode, so don't worry about it. And, and welcome to episode 18, where we're going to talk about a particular strain of, of, of game show. So, you know, a couple episodes ago, episode six, I believe, or five, five, six, can't remember now, the Three's Company episode. Episode six. Six, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We talked about, in Three's Company, the sexual revolution of the 70s really coming into full flower and how a show like Three's Company was supposed to be very titillating and sexy with attractive young people all getting it on in the era of jiggly shows like uh, Charlie's Angels and Wonder Woman and, and things like that. But those primetime shows were not the only place where the uh, 
overly sexual 70s were overflowing into the public. Game shows were really kind of going over the top uh, as well, both as a concept, game shows themselves, and the content, the salacious nature, um, the titillating uh, clues and answers and stuff like that, including probably the most famous thing ever to happen in this genre on TV, which we'll get to in due time. So um, look, in this episode, we're going to examine things through the lens of what is probably one of the most brain dead, honestly, <laughs> and ubiquitous conceits in TV history, you know, the, these game shows and, you know, the guys like Wink, G, Jack, Bob will serve as our guides as we learn how America wanted it in the butt. Right. So why don't you talk about how these things work, Slip? Right. And I think the issue with game shows is that's a massive topic. I mean, as I dove into the history, I was just blown away by how many there were and how long they've been going on. But most people agree who are into this kind of thing that the 70s were the absolute pinnacle of game show popularity. And uh, of course, you know, in order to narrow it down, we were discussing and Jeff came up with this idea. Why don't we do this? Thing about how they kind of got more sexual in the 70s. And so that's what we're going to focus on. So, um, you know, I did some research in this book called the, the Encyclopedia of TV Game Shows by David Schwartz, Steve Ryan, and Fred Wastbrock. And, you know, it's just a massive book and there's just so many game shows and so much going on. And there are different types of game shows. So I'm going to talk about those because we're going to, it's going to give you an idea of what we're going to talk about and what we're not going to talk about, right? Yeah. So first off, everyone knows there's the game shows that that involves some sort of knowledge, like quiz shows, right? These would be game shows like, you know, um, Jeopardy being the most prominent and probably the most challenging one. You know, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Later was like this, right? Uh, 21, the classic scandalized game show of the 50s, the $64,000 question. These are the kind of the quiz shows. We're not really going to be talking about these. I'll talk about them briefly in the history because it's important to the development of game shows that leads up to what we're going to talk about. Then there's the game shows that are just games, Right. They have they have these rules and they're just these arbitrary rules. Some of these we will be talking about a little bit because there's some overlap between different game show categories. And these games just have, you know, basic rules that that don't necessarily involve any kind of knowledge, like something like Family Feud. There's a little bit of knowledge of just what people think in general, but it's really kind of a game. Yeah, it doesn't really involve brain power. Like, a, you know, my thing is, as we'll talk about in the history, a kid could play a lot of these shows, right? Right. Uh, these game shows. Then there's the celebrity panel show, which often overlaps with the game show and a little bit with the quiz show. You know, you have things like um, Match Game, which we'll be talking about extensively, Hollywood Squares. There was also Liars Club. Um, these games in the 70s that involved, you know, some arbitrary bit of knowledge, but really it's, it's just a, a, a chance for the celebrities to kind of joke and show off their personalities. It really didn't have much to do with the game. Some of these games, especially Hollywood Squares, involve minimal brain power, if any, at all. Um, From all and, participants. Right. And then finally, there's this kind of weird hodgepodge of things. That it calls them stunt shows. So they're like game, game shows where the, the contestants would have to do something you know, there was a game, Truth or Consequences, we'll talk a little about in the history because it was one of the first game shows ever, where they might have to answer a silly question that would be kind of a truth or dare kind of scenario where if they couldn't answer it, they'd have to do some stunt. Now, how this worked on a radio show, I have no idea, but it eventually went to television, right? So there's stuff like that. There's the Gong Show, which is a kind of uh, comedy talent show, right? So there were all these kind of, um, you know, and then there was uh, the Newlywed Game, 
is kind of an audience participation thing, even though it's not a stunt. It involves the audience, you know, the kind of contestants knowing about each other, right? So it kind of is another category. So that one's kind of loose, but we'll be talking a little bit about that last category, a little bit about the game shows and especially the celebrity panel shows. We will not be talking about the knowledge-based ones very much, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and in general, you know, knowledge-based ones are a minority because th- these shows, I mean, look, in general, my theory at least is uh, Americans are getting dumber by the second, kind of right. like in a, a continuously compounding interest sort of way. And, you know, you think like today, you look around in our world today and he's like, wow, people are just dumb as shit. You know, like, it's really hard to imagine people getting dumber than they are today in a lot of ways. But when you look at these 70s game shows, you're like, wow, wow, wow. People are really dumb. And the country collectively is really dumb. And people are entertained by really, really dumb people doing really dumb things and celebrating that. And that is partly what this episode is about, right? Right, right, exactly. And that's true. So I'd say let's dive into the history of game shows a little bit to give a little background. Um, I'll try to be brief as possible, although it was really interesting to me. So I had to dive in a little bit. Um, So the first thing, you know, I don't know how this began before widespread multimedia and radio and television, but I do know what it started with radio as far as we know. And at first it was it was characterized by kind of regional shows. The first example we have is this newspaper, the Brooklyn Daily Eagle, had a had a, a kind of current events quiz they would do on the radio. And then the first regular national radio show was was called Uncle Jim's Question B. I mean, this is how folksy <laughs> things get back in the day uh, in 1936. And then, Lake you know, in ni- shit. right. It was kind of, yeah, kind of country, uh, you know, themed, I guess. Uh, and then there was a major uh, show in 1941, Truth or Consequences, which I had mentioned previously, that was kind of a combination quiz and stunt show. It would later be hosted on television by uh, Bob Barker, who would be more famous for hosting The Price is Right. right. Um, and this was wildly popular. And these radio shows, these quiz shows started popping up with the radio, and they were actually crowding out the other kinds of comedy and other shows because of their popularity. So people love game shows, and they loved them back then, and they they still love them, as we'll talk about. So as far as television goes, you know, television sort of debuted at the 1939 World's Fair. It started to build up in the early 40s with, you know, a few stations here and there, but it was really kind of put off by World War II, right? The television infrastructure couldn't be built out because of the resource allocation to World War II and because of the war effort, right? Right. So in the late 40s, that's when it really started to take off. And game shows were, um, because they were cheap and easy to produce, and because of their popularity on radio, they were one of the first kinds of shows on television, right? And you had early, er, I mean, some of the figures that we'll talk about with the game shows we're actually going to cover were already major in the early days. And the main person, probably the most famous game show promoter uh, of all time, and the most successful was this guy, Mark Goodson, right? And his yeah. partner, Bill Todman, Goodson and Todman. They produced a couple of the, you know, a bunch of the shows we're going to talk about. They produced, um, you know, obviously Match Game and Family Feud are kind of those that we're going to discuss. But they also produced Price is Right, one of the longest running and most popular game shows of all time. Early game shows like Beat the Clock, Stop the Music, which was kind of like Name That Tune, which was also around at the same time. Uh, What's My Line was one of the first celebrity panel shows. Um, And this panel show was kind of interesting because it involved a contestant who would 
who had a occupation that the celebrity panel had to guess. And every time they the question was answered no, the guest would get like $50, which is interesting. These game shows, the prize money was nothing. That's how popular people wanted to be on them. But the prize money at this time, at least, was very low. Was that you know, the which, host where Groucho Marx hosted the show? Was that the show that Groucho no, Marx? No, Groucho Marx show was called You Bet Your Life. Oh, that's and that was right. Also, that's, right. Ex- that's a really good thing. That should have been in the notes. That is a huge game show. That was a, a, another one where a lot of it involved Groucho Marx just making jokes, right? The right. game itself wasn't that you know, compelling. It was really the content apart from the game of giving him a chance to just go off the cuff and make these jokes. And that's the way a lot of these celebrity panel shows would work. Right. But that, that's a good point. That was a really important early game show. So the prize money was small uh, initially. And then the early celebrity game shows, you know, they were the panels Mark Goodson would put together were much more varied. You know, they would have writers and, you know, they would have like newscasters and stuff. It wasn't just these comedians and things like that, although they were part of it as well. Right. The culturally aspirational, you might say. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, the, you know, the, the panels were much more straightforward. It's not like what we would see in the 70s with a lot of the sexual innuendo. Of course, this is the 50s. That was a whole different uh, milieu culturally. There's no way they could have done that. Right. So. Another interesting game show that started at a game show called Queen for a Day. And this was kind of a game show where housewives would come on and just tell their sob stories about how terrible their <laughs> lives were. Right? And they would win, basically, they would win whoever had the worst story, right? Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, I, that was a real thing. And oh, it was, wow. uh, yeah, it was totally a precursor. Oh, my dishpan hands. My husband's so mean to me. Yeah, that kind of shit. I don't know about the husband being mean, but I know that's just like, yeah, I have to, you know, cook and clean or whatever. I did. I've never watched any of this, but it was interesting because it was really popular. And of course, what what did they win? More more cleaning products. You yeah. Know? Uh, like you have a sob story. Well, we're going to give you a new dishwasher. So and turtle help wax you, right? or turtle wax was yeah. later, probably. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and this this game show is important just because it's a total precursor to the normal people shows like that Chuck Barris would come up with, right? Dating game and newlywed game, right? The average people telling their stories, so to speak. Right. Right. Um, and then you had these game show, early game show hosts who would, uh, and what's interesting to me is a lot of these game show hosts hosted like just a ton of different shows, right? They didn't just host one, yeah. right? You wouldn't just have one host. So you had, uh, already in the 50s, you had Bob Barker, you had Gene Rayburn, who we'll talk about as, as the host of Match Game. He was already kind of in radio and a host. And, um, you know, and we'll talk more about his background when we get to that. Uh, you know, Bob Barker already was hosting. Jack Barry, who would later host The Joker's Wild, was the producer and host of a game show called 21, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. Um, but yeah, so you already had these hosts becoming kind of celebrities and hosting multiple game shows. So, Another thing that happened during the 50s, and this is just important for the kind of trajectory of game shows and their popularity, was the quiz show, right? So the quiz shows, which we won't be focusing on in the 70s so much, um, was were really popular in the 50s. But what was interesting is some of the game shows were so hard. Like the quiz, one of the quiz shows that was really popular was 21. And this was 21 questions. And they were actually pretty challenging, right? And required some knowledge, kind of similar to Jeopardy. Um, and what was interesting is the first time they aired, none of the questions, none of the contestants could answer any of the questions, right? Yeah. So, so they figured it was, you know, the, the sponsors worried. And so what ended up happening is they ended up starting to fix the game shows and give one of the contestants the answers in advance. So it was totally crooked. Like right? the movie, the, right? Quiz show with John that's what, Yeah, The movie is 
based on this scandal, right? Okay, so John yeah. Turturro played a character, an, a guy named Herbert Stemple, who was a real guy, he was a really smart guy, but they ended up giving him the answers and he started winning. And then, you know, ratings started going down. So they got this other guy to challenge him, who was a really handsome pro- professor named Mark Van Doren, who was played by Ray Fiennes in the movie, right? And he, uh, he was the son of, a, or his name was uh, Charles Van Doren. He was the son of, or Mark Van Doren. Yeah, this is Charles Van Doren. He's the son of Mark Van Doren, who's a famous poet, right? So he became such a celebrity, this guy on this quiz show, that he was actually on the cover of Time magazine. This was a huge thing, but they cheated. They gave him the answers because he was kind of more charismatic. And Herbert Stemple ended up going to the press and it ended up in this huge scandal. Congress actually had a subcommittee about this and they made <laughs> laws making it illegal to fix game shows because the prize money was huge. It was like hundred over $100,000, which in yeah. today's money was quite a lot, right? So this is the 1950s. Um, and then Jack Berry, the host uh, and producer, was blacklisted. He couldn't be in game shows for 20 years. He would come back with the Joker's Wild in the 70s, but all throughout the 60s, he wasn't able even to work. U- U.S. And- Congress focused on important things even back then, clearly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, you know, and then there was other game shows like the $64,000 question and other ones. Other ones had cheated. But supposedly one thing that happened with the $64,000 question is there was a a young psychiatrist named Dr. Joyce Brothers. And she appeared and she had this incredible knowledge of boxing. Who knew? Right. And she became a celebrity from that. That's why she became famous, because she won $64,000 question. Supposedly she didn't cheat or they didn't cheat for her. But, you know, that's just another thing that came about after this. So there was a huge downturn in popularity of game shows for a short time, but they still were around, right? So in the 60s, you saw the rise of some new hosts, right, of of game shows. You saw Bob Eubanks, who would host the Newlywood game. He hosted other game shows, too. Yeah. Um, Peter Marshall, who would host Hollywood Squares, right? Wink Martindale, who would later host Tic-Tac-Toe. His name is Wink. I know. It's such so a great funny. name, Wink Martindale. Like right. a perfect name for a game show host, right? It's true. It's true. So in the 60s, new game shows came around. Uh, you know, Goodson and Todman produced Password. Um, and Password was the first show to have a bonus round, right? It was hosted by Alan Ludden, who would be married famously to Betty White. And Betty White was one of these celebrities we'll talk about who's more famous as a game show uh, participant than for any other thing she did in her career until later when she would be on Golden Girls and become famous basically for being really old. Um, So, um, you know, Match Game was around this time. We'll talk about that more in detail because it kind of changed format midstream. Uh, Hollywood Square started in 66, right? You had, and then you've had Merv Griffin, who who was a huge, not only a talk show host, but a huge TV mogul. And he produced two of the most popular game shows of all time, Jeopardy, which uh, occurred in 1964, but later Wheel of Fortune, which would be 75, right? So, um, and then you had also in the 60s, the rise of a young upstart named Chuck Barris, who produced the, the dating game in 65 and later the newlywed game a year later in 66, right? He would also become famous for producing $1.98 Beauty Show and, of course, The Gong Show, which was late 70s, which I think could have its own uh, CFX episode. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah sure. it's kind of, it's kind of, we wanted to cover that in here, but it just, it really was hard to fit both the dating game and that in because they're so major. And as to whether they're, you know, the dating game is kind of a game show, it's like, it's, it's a dating show, right? I mean, it's, it's a game show, but it's like, it's not like it involves um, really any kind of even matching. It's just an opinion of the, the, of the girl being, or the woman who's going on the date, which one she liked better, you know? So I guess it's sign of a game show. 
Okay, let's get, we're going to get to the 70s now. This is what the era we're going to talk about. So the 70s, what happened? People started having color television. So the game show sets, and this is something I've been obsessed with, especially Price is Right, which is so elaborate uh, with all its little mini games. They just became super colorful with all kinds of bright lights. And, you know, we're in an audio format here, but, you know, on our Instagram, which is at Cultural Futures, which you can follow us, we'll put some screenshots of these sets. I mean, they're insane, some of them. They're ridiculous, right? Well, speak, speaking of 70s TVs, did you have, I think everyone did have the, had the 70s TV with the remote control that you could change the channel by jiggling your keys? I don't did remember. You- they're like, yeah, it was like a remote control. It was like, it, was, it made clicking the clicker, sounds. the yeah, clicker, yeah. like Zenith had that. I remember the clicker. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we ever, I didn't have a remote control until they got until the eighties, but I know it, like my grandparents, I think had that clicker, Yeah, but I don't remember it being that sensitive. Yeah. yeah you could jiggle, funny. you could jiggle your keys and, and it would like change the channel. Uh, that's right. how high tech it was. Anyway, go ahead. So, so yeah, we had the, the advent of color. So game shows in order to attract audiences started making these flashy sets, right? The other thing, a couple of things interesting that I found in the history that happened that kind of made game shows popularity increase so much in the 70s. The first thing was this thing called the Rural Purge. And what this was, especially on CBS, was they, there were all these shows like Mayberry RFD, you know, Andy Griffith, uh, Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies. It was this really popular thing in the 60s where all these kind of country bumpkins shows were around and TV started to drop them as audiences became younger. They weren't as interested. So they needed something to replace those shows in the afternoon. So that's when they started moving game shows to the afternoon. And, and the kind of sets and fancy bells and whistles were there to attract the housewives away from the soap operas, which was their main <laughs> competition, right? And I think this is important that they were in the afternoon because this is why me and Jeff grew up watching this shit. Yeah. Because it was mostly in the afternoon, even though there were evening game shows, as we'll get to. Part of our uh, cultural abuse that we suffered in the 70s, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll, we'll talk about that in our evaluations. It's really weird to me that we watch these fucking shows. Like, yeah. But they were just there. So you watched what was there, right? That's right. Um, And then you had this primetime access rule. So the FCC came up with this rule where an hour before primetime, like kind of the 7 to 8 p.m. hour, uh, stations like um, networks had to give an hour to local affiliates. And they could show this was designed to show like public access kind of stuff. But they never did that. You know, they didn't really want to produce their own content. It was too expensive. So what they ended up doing was just getting these syndicated game shows and throwing them into that slot. So that kind of increased the popularity, too. So, you know, to this day, my parents still watch every night. My dad and my stepmom still watch um, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune from 7 to 8 p.m. Every night. Right. It's on every (laughs) night. So that was part of this FCC primetime access rule. So that accelerated the popularity of game shows as well. Right. So you also had the first hour long game show. The New Price is Right, a massively popular game show. Not the most popular in the 70s. We'll get to those two in a minute, but they were really popular. So I said in a minute, I meant right now. Match Game was the most popular game show <laughs> in, in, in daytime, right? So daytime yeah. game shows, Match Game was number one, which is really weird. You'll see how weird that is when we go into this game show because it's bizarre game show, really. And then, of course, what replaced it as number one? Another game show we're going to talk about, Family Feud knocked it off its perch. And these two game shows are related because of Richard Dawson, right? And in the 70s, you have the rise of new game show hosts. I mentioned some of the older hosts. Uh, You know, Bob Barker was still working, Jack Berry, but then you and Gene Rayburn, but you had the new hosts, right? You had Chuck Woolery, who um, (laughs) he would be more famous in the 80s for Love Connection, but he also hosted the game 
a dating game for a brief time and other game shows. You had Alex Trebek, who was hosting Card Sharks um, and a couple of other game shows before he would become really famous as the host of Jeopardy. Uh, and then you had, of course, Richard Dawson, who, we'll, as we'll talk about, was an absolute superstar um, and dominated the game show world with both Match Game and Family Feud, right? Yep. So, um, and then you had the game show announcers, and I didn't mention some of the earlier announcers, but during the seventies, there's the ones we all know, right? Johnny Olson, most famous for saying "Come on down," right? Yeah. Price is right. He also hosted Match Game, right? And you had Johnny Gilbert hosting, uh, doing the announcing for Family Feud, um, and then most importantly, maybe to us as kids, you know, because of his work on Saturday Night Live, was Don Pardo, who yep. uh, was the announcer for Jeopardy, and he also did the actual announcement in the I Lost on Jeopardy video for Weird Al, which touchstone for us. Right. You also had the rise of game show celebrities during this time. And when I mean game show celebrities, I mean celebrities that were famous for other things, but they were far more famous for being on game shows, right? You had uh, Betty White, right? Betty White, later of the Golden Girls, she was married to a game show host, Alan Ludden, who hosted both Liars Club at one point and Password, most famously. And she was on those game shows all the time. She was also on Match Game many times. Uh, Brett Summer, who most people don't probably don't even know who that is. She was mainly famous for being married to Jack Klugman of Quincy fame and Odd Couple fame. Yeah. But he appeared on Match Game and kind of brought her in. And then she became a regular on Match Game. And she was most famous for kind of trading um, Bon Mots and jokes uh, with this other uh, game show regular on Match Game, uh, Charles Nelson Riley. Yeah. Right. Who I'll talk about more. Uh, you had Fanny Flagg. I don't even know if Fanny Flagg or, you know, did anything else. She was mainly known for being on Match Game. You had J.P. Morgan, who was kind of singer, who was on one of the panelists on the gong show. Right. So you yeah. had all these, um, you know, and then you had like Rip Taylor who he actually was a game show host, but he was also on the game shows a lot because he was one, you know, we'll talk a lot about the kind of gay guys who, yeah. who were permeate, you know, Paul Lind being the most famous uh, and Paul Lind again, he had done other things, you know, he'd done musical theater. He had a sitcom that bombed on his own. He was on he Bewitched. Was, he played a, a, a he played Uncle on, Arthur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played Uncle Arthur on Bewitched and he was famous for that, but nowhere near as famous as for being the center square on Hollywood squares. Right. Yeah. So People that was like it. Nipsey Russell too, others like that. Yeah, yeah. Nipsey Russell, who was a comedian, yeah. but was most famous for uh, sitting in the number one chair on Match Game very frequently, right? Yeah. Um, and then you have the 80s. So you have the death of kind of these sexy game shows that we, you know, they kind of come and go. Match Game still gets brought back. At one point, Alec Baldwin, I think, was hosting Match Game. You know, yeah. like they had him. Um, and then- um, <laughs> Whatever it takes to keep guns out of his hands. That's yeah. right, that's right. It's exactly, exactly. Um. He obviously wasn't shooting with a blank. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, it's so funny to hear him say blank, you know, on that show. We should probably, we should probably put that on Instagram. Um, at any rate, at any rate, Match Game died. Hollywood Squares kind of died, you know. Uh, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune became one of the most popular game shows. It, it started in the 70s with a different host. And who I forget, I might have been Chuck Woolery. I forget who it is. We'll put it on the Instagram for you. But, um, you know, it it eventually got Pat Sajak and Vanna White, and she became a whole phenomenon herself. So Bizarrely, that was hugely popular, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, Price is Right was still going strong. Family Feud went through a series of hosts, unfortunately, one of whom committed suicide. Um, and then you have Family Feud even going now. 
you know, with uh, what's his name, Steve Harvey. And it's it's more sexual innu- innuendo than it ever was. <laughs> you know, so obviously right. we'll talk about that as to in our evaluations. Um, you even had the rise of a game show that became really popular on MTV, Remote Control, which is kind of a different kind of game Ken show. Ken Ober was the Ken host. Ober, that's yes. right. And then you have the rise of, uh, you wait, know. Wait, wait, do you know who, sorry, on Remote Control, do you know who one of the sidekicks of remote, on Remote Control was? You know, or, it's going to drive me crazy because I remember reading this and being surprised by it, but who was it? He went on to star on Saturday Night Live. And he's one of the most puzzling famous people ever because I think his talent is extremely limited and I don't think he's funny at all, which is a lot Adam of Adam Sandler? Adam Sandler, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he, his Bill Cosby thing is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a few but, things. The medium yeah, yeah, pace yeah. thing is kind of funny. Too, the but. song, what about the song about Hanukkah is pretty good. Where yeah. talk, he, I like that he shouts out David Lee Roth on there. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so, so uh, yeah. So, so, again, then you have the rise of stuff like huge game shows, right? So you want to be a millionaire with Regis Philbin. That was massive. I mean, that was like prime time. One of the highest rated shows you have, uh, what the weakest link is another one. Right. Um, and then you have stuff like American Idol massive show, which is basically a talent show. Right. Yeah. Um, and then of course, why did the game, you know, game shows are still around, but really they've kind of taken another form in the form of reality TV because survivor is a fucking game show. I'm sorry. That is a game show. Yeah. Well, right? like squid game is a, is a, is a, variation of this too right right and and uh the apprentice right it's yeah. a competition between you know, it involves like an ex uh, a, uh you know a strong personality to put it mildly right yeah. so um that's kind of the history that brings us to the present day and mostly covering the 70s so jeff why don't you go into your background with these this these wonderful game shows we're going to talk about yeah, I mean, like you were saying, these were ubiquitous when we were growing up on TV. You couldn't turn on TV in the afternoon during the day uh, without seeing all of these shows. And I watched all of them. Like when we were talking about all these different shows, like, yeah, I watched that. I watched that. I watched that. All I did as a kid was watch TV, apparently. I, I watched Newlywood Game for sure. Price is Right, I've seen. I, I didn't watch any of them religiously like your 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 dad and stepmom, but I right. watched all of them. Watched The Dating Game in the 80s with Chuck Woolery, too. I watched Joker's Wild, for sure. I remember that uh, set. Card Sharks, which we'll have a little bit of a, a story about in a second. <laughs> uh, Family Feud, watched that. My, my parents watched Family Feud. My mom did, at least. Uh, Hollywood Squares, for sure. Match Game, for sure. Password. In fact, like um, I remember when, I think it was when we were in college watching Saturday Night Live, and there was a skit where they uh, made a reference to match game where they're talking about a character in a skit who was kind of crazy. And the guy goes, the password is insane. You know? Yeah. Like, so oh, yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. So like people referred to these things. And of course, gong show, as you said, there's this whole sub genre about the gong show, including a movie called the gong show movie, which is currently playing on Amazon prime. You want to check it out. Starring of course, Chuck Barris um, and, and Mabel King. Who oh, wow. uh, will be the oh, feature, wow. who uh, starred, of course, in What's Happening, which we talked about a few episodes ago. So, yep. anyway, I watched all these, none of them religiously. Um, sometime in the, I think it was the late '80s. I'll have to ask him. But uh, my friend Craig, who we talked about in several episodes, his his father was a um, a television writer and wrote for um, a variety of you know things like you know, the Fall Guy and you know things like that. Um, and he was working on a project 
I think it was in the late 80s. It might have been the early 90s. I can't remember exactly. He's, he's working on like a TV movie of the week kind of thing. And it was being filmed and, and produced out of a television city, CBS, Television City in Hollywood, which is still there, I think, um, and near Farmer's Market down there in, 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 uh, in Hollywood. And we went to go visit his dad. We could get onto the lot. We were like walking around the building pretty much unfettered, which was awesome. Couldn't get into a lot of things. A lot of things were locked, but we did get onto the Price is Right set, which was mostly put away. It wasn't set, you know, they weren't filming um, clearly, but we were looking around, looking behind various curtains and stuff. And we did see that big fucking red spin wheel, you know, that was part of a lot of uh, episodes there. And we couldn't spin it. We tried to, but they had it locked down and stuff, but we got to see it. Um, The other thing about game shows and related to history, and this also involves uh, uh, my friend Craig, which is, you know, Craig was responsible for introducing me to many questionable things, including punk, as we discussed in the Dead Kennedys episode. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But... Sometime in, in, in college, and, and, and Craig went to the same uh, college as, as Slip and I, but uh, sometime in college, he got this video from this underground bookstore in L.A. called Amok Books. And th- this is a kind of place where you could go and buy, like, really weird shit. He, like, got, like, these weird piercing books that he liked to show people, freak people out. He got, uh, I think they used to sell the Anarchist Cookbook there, you know, at that famous book you can look up. We could talk about some other time. But he got this video from them called the Assault Video. And it was like this mixed video where um, it was this bizarre compilation of weird animation and cuts from old uh, movies and montages of bizarre sort of, uh, I don't know, everything you could think of that had a video form. It was just, a, it was a weird video mix yeah. thing. It, also had, um, by the way, the most famous thing on there was the uh, TV, or rather televised suicide of R. Bud Dwyer um, that was on there. And actually, as an aside, Craig showed that video in one of his classes in college and almost got expelled. Because- <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Dude, yeah, it's, 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 fuck, so it's graphic. hardcore. It, it on, is. Yeah. On a dark note, you know, we talked about uh, Nirvana and Nevermind in our second episode, and Kurt Cobain was obsessed with that video, which I'll yeah. tell you something, right? He later would repeat that action himself. Yeah. But that is one of the most graphic things I've ever seen. It's, like, shocking. It is. Um, I mean, th- this guy who's a politician who got busted for being crooked. <laughs> I can't believe he showed that in class. He pulled out, like, like a guy over that. He blew oh, his, my God. Yeah. He, 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 this video is, like, super graphic of this guy blowing his head off, basically. Right. And Craig like put together some video project, you know, he, you know, for his class and showed it, didn't warn anybody, showed it just as a goof and totally got in trouble for it. Maybe he should have. But I mean, it it was, it was pretty hardcore. I don't know if it was really appropriate, but that was kind of Craig's thing. I I don't think you don't, I don't think it's a matter of not knowing. It's not really appropriate at all, Yeah, but that's, that's hilarious. He was such like a, I don't know what the word is like. Uh, a, he was a uh, merry prankster. He was. Maybe. He was like a merry prankster. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, one of the things on <laughs> fucking this assault video, <laughs> which was the greatest thing ever, was the, the, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> fuck, man, the geniuses who put this together <laughs> took clips of the TV show Card Sharks. And if you aren't familiar with the Card Sharks 
thing. It's essentially like that high-low card game where it's like they show you a card, is the next one going to be higher and lower? And if you could get a run going, the more of a run you could get, the more money you could win. And the genius, the genius or uh, geniuses who uh, made this video took card sharks and whenever somebody would say lower, like the card was going to be lower, they cut in hardcore porn, like some <laughs> dude going down on a woman. <laughs> and it was like the funniest fucking thing ever. Like, I don't, you could probably find it somewhere on the internet, this whole video. Oh, I'm sure of it. But I mean, if we find it, we'll link it to it in our Instagram. Yeah, the the card sharks thing was particularly amazing. And again, game show related. And we all remembered card sharks didn't quite have the charm that this particular rendition did. But mm. but anyway, I thought that it was pretty fucking funny. And, and when we were talking about game shows, I know you'd seen the assault video. I might have sent it to you. Yeah, yeah you it sent it. it to me when I was in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's the story there with uh, with game shows. And, you know, after this, I didn't really watch any of the modern game shows. Jeopardy sometimes just because I like those kind of, you know, Jeopardy type things and trivia is something that Slip and I both are, you know, uh, you know, advocates for. Right. Uh, And play a lot. But, yeah, not really a game show fan. So I'll turn it over to you. Okay. So my game show history is interesting because my parents were actually on a game show. Nice. So in the, in the early seventies, mid seventies, there was a game show called let's make a deal. It was on for years. It was hosted by this guy, Monty Hall. And basically it was one of these, it was probably one of the dumber game shows ever. It was one of these game shows where the audience was, would dress in costumes, right? Everyone would dress in a costume and you try to be more outrageous. So you would get picked, right? So as you were going into the game, they would kind of pick you out and say, yeah, you could be on the trading floor, which is what they called the stage. Right. And then when you got on the trading floor, you would then have the option of getting picked to play. And the basically playing would be like choosing a series of doors one, two, or three, and then you would basically kind of hedge your bet of like, oh, do you want to get to try to go for something more? And then you could end up losing. Uh, there's another game show called Deal or No Deal, right? Hosted by Howie Mandel, another really popular game show, which was like picking boxes, right? You could pick a box and you get like maybe, t- uh, you know, $1,000 and you could try to go for the $100,000 box or you could lose everything, right? You know, there's it, a, an aside on the money hall thing where there's very famous math problem they teach in like, college uh, statistics classes about whether you should uh, pick the, you know, the other door if Monty Hall, right. I forget the setup of it. It's like and a it's probability. Like, it is. And it's a really yeah. subtle one actually, but the, but the net net is you should always pick the other one, not go to, you should always choose the one Monty Hall. Right. Because of the yeah. odds. Cause yeah, of the yeah. odds, but it's a subtle problem. It's not straightforward. People always get it wrong. It's like Bayes theorem. Uh, you know, people always get the false positive, false negative stuff on drug efficacy things wrong and stuff like that. So anyway, just as an aside, there's a math problem called the Monty Hall problem. You can look it up. It's a famous thing if you're interested. We'll put it on our Instagram, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Monty Hall problem. Okay. So so the way this worked, the way this happened is my Aunt Linda actually went on the game show first. And she, um, I don't remember what her costume was. So I, I... I didn't talk to her about it, but I did talk to my parents about it. So I kind of know the story. So she went first and I remember this as a kid because I remember she had had a car that she sold to get a pool. Right. And she won the car. Basically she went on, let's make a deal. And she won a car. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, she won like a, like what? 74 Mustang or something uh, like that. Of course and then she, she, yeah. she sold the car and was able to use that money to, uh, to build a backyard pool. 
And I remember playing in that pool in Fountain Valley, California for, you know, years. Right. So, so my parents, like, I guess through her, through her, you know, my aunt Linda worked for a bank and I think she got them tickets through her work or something. They were able to get tickets and they went with a friend, another female friend, and they dressed as Mouseketeers, you know, like (laughs) Annette Funicello and that whole business. Your dad Um, did too? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and my mom like got them to sing like the Mickey Mouse Club theme to try to get the, there was a guy kind of walking around going, oh yeah, you're in, you're in, you're out kind of thing in the line going into the theater. And she, he basically picked my mom, but said my dad and the friend couldn't go. So my dad and friend just were sitting in the audience. My mom got to go backstage. She said that guy was an asshole. She said Monty Hall was a total jerk. And she thought it was random because they would kind of sit you down in this area on the stage when they pick people to actually do the quote unquote deals and to actually play the game. But she said they definitely picked people beforehand, but she was kind of like, didn't think it was that good of an experience, you know, but um, at any rate, that's kind of the story of that. Now, as far as the game shows, again, they were just kind of on and they weren't like something I actively sought to watch i would just turn on the tv and kind of flick channels and land on something right yeah i remember watching the game show with wink martindale tic-tac-doe um you know uh all the time <laughs> and one of the reasons was i was like nine ten years old i could answer almost all the freaking questions that's how dumb some of the i mean the tic-tac-doe is like jeopardy right it's like a game show that involves knowledge but it's like jeopardy for dummies you know it was super dumb and it was so easy for me to answer like joker's wild and tic I can answer almost all the questions. And I was just a little kid. You know, it's not like I was brilliant or anything. No, I still, I couldn't have gone, I couldn't have watched Jeopardy at that time and answered anything. That was by you know, design but, though. Those games right. were designed to make, you know, seven-year-olds feel like Einstein, right? Because it's like, right. I can answer that as a kid. I must be really smart. And, you know, a lot of the people on these shows were not so bright either, right? Yeah. And then I'd watch something like Hollywood Squares where I didn't even get any of the jokes. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I, I didn't get the political jokes. I didn't get the sexual innu- innuendo. And I just remember watching and seeing like these old guys like George Goebel. You know, it's just like, what the fuck am I watching this guy for? You yeah, know, I just I think back to myself. Is, I don't, yeah. yeah. He's just a guy. I don't know what he did besides doing Hollywood Squares. I think he was some kind of comedic actor. Yeah. My mom would probably know. You know, it was like that generation, right? It yeah. was like, I mean, I knew who Paul Lind was, but only because of Hollywood Squares. It was only later, I mean, and Bewitched, you know, because Bewitched was syndicated. So I knew that, but it was only later that I kind of found out more about him, right? So it was like, it was weird that I was watching these people and they were just like these old people and you could smell the cigar smoke in the room. <laughs> I mean, it was like, there's actually yeah. this one thing, I was going to kind of save this for Hollywood Squares, but there's one thing in Hollywood Squares they have called the secret square. And they kind of flash to one of the, the actors in one of the squares and there's this one shot I saw on YouTube now. It was just like um, actor Glenn Ford. And he's just fucking smoking a cigar right there in the studio. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like so funny. But, you know, and you can see on Match Game, they're passing around the booze. We'll talk more about that. But it was just weird. I didn't really get any of it. And then, as I mentioned, my parents have always watched, uh, you know, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. Um, and, you know, that was that was a big deal. But um you know, I should also mention that The Price is Right was a game show I loved watching for some reason. And I think it was just because of all the flashy games, you know, the mini games. And of yeah. course, I like the girls on it, you know, the, the yeah. hot uh, kind of, you know, uh, Diane Parkinson and, you know, et cetera. Those yeah. those girl, those ladies. Um, They're jiggly. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, it's funny because The Price is Right. Uh, later, I would see this movie called The Perfect Bid, which is a documentary I recommend. I think it's available on Prime. 
And it's about this math genius guy named Ted Slauson. He was just this guy who he actually memorized all of the prices. Um, and he would basically help contestants. Uh, he would he would be in the audience and he never got picked, but he would shout out these bids. And he actually helped uh, they, the prices right would have this section called the showcase where it would be a bunch of different products, right? Everything de- from like toothpaste leading up to like a, a fucking boat, you yeah. know, or a car, right? And you you would bid on the whole thing. You would estimate the whole thing. And he would bid on, he would help, he helped someone do a bid exactly the right dollar amount. Nice. On that. Yeah. So he got, he got, so they kind of made it harder. For him, you know, they did stuff where they kind of cheat, you know, changed it up to, I guess, make it harder. So, but yeah, you memorize all the prices. It was kind of crazy. Um, so, yeah. And I remember, um, I didn't really think about match game much as a kid. I remember flipping around and passing it by and kind of watching it. And it was fun to play because it was, you know, the as we'll go over the rules of the game, it's really dumb. But I remember in the 90s, my cousin or early 2000s, my cousin was really into this guy, TV Sheriff, who's like a film editor and stuff. And he basically was this kind of, you can still find him on YouTube. He makes really funny shit. He'll, he basically is like a DJ, but with video. So he'll basically mix video and fuck it up. And he did this one thing on Match Game, and I kind of want to play it now because it's so fucking awesome. It's, uh, yeah, so play it. That microphone was The sheriff, 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 the sheriff, said to the hangman, "Blank drug, blank drug." G-R-U-G. <laughs> the big money, here it is. Blank drug. Blank drug. God. It's so ridiculous and absurd. It's so funny, man. I mean, I rec- we'll link to his Instagram, uh, on our Instagram, we'll link to his uh, YouTube page because he, re- he does really insane shit. And and you kind of have to see the video to see what he does, but you will notice how he makes makes Gene Rayburn actually say sheriff, 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 which yeah. is kind of cool because yeah, I think that's that's really cool. Um, and then recently I've become obsessed with music. Wait, wait, uh, these, wait, you become obsessed with something? Oh yeah, yeah, I know. You can you to see me uh coming obsessed with blank drug. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, I'll watch that like five times in a row and just laugh yeah. every time. Yeah. Um don't make me play the ace you know, taking a dump thing again, because right. Right. Um, but, but you can find on YouTube, you can find all this game show music. Um, we can skip the first one, but let's play the second Joker's wild music. Cause I think game show music is fucking awesome. Let's play this. 70s tastic. It's like, That's um, just- like, it's like porno. It is. I was just <laughs> gonna say that. You can play like, that. You can play that to the card sharks. Uh, yeah. Muck video. Yeah. Lower. Yeah. Lower. Yeah. Totally. All right, dude. Next up is the most insane. I think. I think this and card sharks are the most insane themes. We won't need to play the card sharks one. This will cover it. Tic tac toe. I. I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, wait, wait, wait. I gotta say, I, I'm sensing that this was an influence to a very important song. Okay, two important songs from the same band. All right, what? Can you guess? No. All right. The clapping is like insane, and then the squealing synthesizer. Okay, so so um, this is a stretch. Okay, all right. but it's a it's a band and an album that we're gonna do here in an upcoming episode. Spoiler alert! Pretty soon, Boston. More oh, than a really? feeling and long time. Oh, wow. The, That's interesting. I can kind of hear it. It's like, it's a little bit there. I mean, the clapping. Okay. You could just say that the clapping. I part. don't know which one was first though. Cause this is late seventies. Okay. So, well, you know, you know maybe they stole it from Tom. Yeah. Maybe. The clapping is so funny. Um, <laughs> at any rate. All right. One last one. This one I play. I think I, one day I've let this play like five times in a row. This is the showcase music from Price is Right. All right. <laughs> oh man, deja vu. Somebody likes their mood. All right, that's sweet. So that's good enough. That's good enough. <laughs> Is that your ringtone now on your phone? Uh, it should be. That's actually a really good idea. Uh, I, I think I'm going to do that, actually. Seriously, yeah. I'm going to do that because that's awesome. Okay, so um, I guess we'll go now into the quote-unquote evaluations. I don't know if this is an evaluation as so much of a, uh, as an exploration into these game shows because uh, I think... A um, celebration. Almost. A celebration, right? I mean, yes. I mean, I have an opinion on that, but I think there's some things researching this. I kind of changed my opinion a few times and I kind of was mesmerized by the whole idea of how weird these shows would be today if they existed. Um, I think what we're going to do first, right, is we were going to do match game, then then you'll do family feud, right? Yeah, that's right. And then I'll do Hollywood scores. Okay, match game. So match game, um, let's just go over the rules of the game. <laughs> and, and if you don't how, understand these and you're fucking stupid as shit. Yeah, yeah all right. <laughs> so in the original game, it was ba- it's basically, you know, you have a contestant who has to, you know, there's a kind of question uh, or a kind of statement, and you have to su- suggest an answer, and there's no real right or wrong answer, right? It's kind of just you suggest an answer, and then the more celebrities on the celebrity panel that match you, the more points you get. That's the gist of it. And when it started out, and it started out in '62, and when it started out, the questions were kind of like name a musical instrument. You know, they weren't kind of what it would be later. Yeah. Um, and which is kind uh, of like Family Feud a little bit, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like Family Feud. And, and, and again, there's a lot of overlap with Family Feud. Family Feud is essentially the child of Match Game in a way. And we'll talk about why that is. So the, the first host was was Gene Rayburn, right? And when the show, it had these kind of, it was kind of boring, right? They did, there, there wasn't really anything going, right? It started uh, with these kind of questions, right? But then the show was about to be canceled. But then one of the writers, this guy, Dick Bartolo, he actually had written for Mad Magazine. Yeah. And he kind of wanted to make the questions more ridiculous, right? So that he kind of created these questions that were more like a Mad Lib, right? If you're familiar with Mad Libs, you're not familiar. That might be something we could cover later because that was a huge part of our childhood. They were these little books and you would have a story where certain pronouns or verbs would be removed and you would have to fill in the blank and it's funny, right? You know, because 
John, you know, put blank on his uh, sandwich or whatever. And you could you could say like gasoline, ha, yeah, ha, ha. Yeah. you know, and it would say whether it was a noun or a tennis this shoes. Was, yeah. Right. This was the kind of kind of thing. And so the questions were actually started to become more silly. And the show was not canceled because it skyrocketed in popularity due to this. And um, the. Uh, you know, originally celebrities clamored to be on the show once it, you know, and you had people like Bill Cosby, you know, obviously that's a problematic guy, but you had, you had all these different celebrities and actors that were popular in the sixties wanting to be part of the show and wanting to be panelists because it was, it was fun, right? They could joke around and stuff like that. And so that was really important. Now, starting in the seventies, these, these fill in the blanks, you know, like John put peanut butter on his blank, you know, and it's like, uh Oh, you know, what are you going to say? Right. That's how it kind of in the 70s, it, it had more sexual innuendo, but they also kind of changed the game a little bit. They had these bonus rounds. So one of the rounds was very similar to Family Feud. They would survey the audience for an answer, like quick as a blank. Right. And then you would say like quick as a wink. And then you would see how many people said wink, how many people said something else. And you would get money based on what place it came in or if it didn't come in at all. Right. And then there would they, they would have a chance to multiply their winnings times 10 if they did this thing called the celebrity head-to-head match. And so that was basically just a match, like the regular match game, but you only had to match with one person, right? And so they that was how basically the rules of the game, right? It was called the super match. Um, or the super match was the family feud thing, and the head-to-head match was the last one, right? right. So, um, yeah, and then... So the game show ran throughout the 60s. It was kind of popular. And then it was dropped as part of the weird rural purge and these things. And and it kind of came back on another network um, in the 70s, CBS, in 73. And from then on, the match game would be known as Match Game 73, Match Game 74, right? They would update the, the names, right? And it was hosted by this guy, Gene Rayburn, who had a background in musical theater, he was most known for playing uh, Bye Bye Birdie. He was also a radio show host in the 50s. And actually, a big fan of his growing up was Howard Stern. He was a huge Gene Rayburn fan. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, And I think he had Gene Rayburn on his TV show in the early 90s at one point. At least, I don't know which episode. And I think he talks about him in private parts, if I remember correctly. So he was a, he was one of the, you know, along with... Um, uh, Bob and Ray, right? They were they were another comedy. He was that was another early influence on Howard Stern. Um, and then the way the game show worked in the 70s. So in the 60s, the panels were often rotating, right? There were no regulars. But in the 70s, they decided to expand the panel to six players, and they had three regulars. They had Charles Nelson Riley, who interestingly enough had also been in Bye Bye Birdie. And as we'll as we'll see, Paul Lind was too. I don't know what, what's up with Bye Bye Birdie, but all these guys were in it, right? And he was actually Gene Rayburn's understudy in that show, so that's how they that's how he got brought onto the show. Yeah. Um, an early host in the seventies was uh, Jack Klugman. He was one not host, I mean early celebrity panelist, and he brought his wife on, Brett Summers, who was a Canadian American actress who you know she had done a few things here and there, but wasn't really known for anything. But she had a really good chemistry with Charles Nelson Riley, as we'll play a clip later, and so she was actually brought on as a regular too. Um, and then a final regular would end up becoming the breakout star of the whole show was Richard Dawson, right? He was known mainly for being in Hogan's Heroes. Right. Jeff will probably talk more about his background, but that's basically they were basically the main um, the main kind of uh, 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 host. And then there were three other slots, right? So the, there was the upper. So in the upper row was uh, open slot number one, and then Brett Summers and Charles Nelson Riley. And that open slot number one was always the male comedian or a male actor 
a comic actor. So you had like people like Leslie Nielsen, you had Nipsey Russell was on a lot, right? It was usually a big male star. And then in the bottom row, there was an open slot number four, which was always, almost always the hottie, right? You had yeah. like Elaine Joyce, Suzanne Summers, and Gene Rayburn would always be putting the moves on these women. He'd take that long, skinny microphone and just nuzzle <laughs> up to them. I mean, there's one episode you can watch on YouTube, which we may link to in our Instagram, that he's pretty much just harassing Suzanne Summers the whole time. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the bimbo slot, I guess. And then you had uh, Richard Dawson in in the middle bottom slot and then the the right hand slot the six was kind of the goofy female comedian that's where fanny flag would sit for instance oftentimes or betty white right so that was kind of the format of the show uh and the show was one of the things that was so unique about the show is it was a way to see celebrities like they had never been seen before because there were what they would do is they'd go to lunch and film some shows and they would get plastered (laughs) <laughs> right. They would get completely drunk and they were often drinking on the show. There's one shot of Gene Rayburn actually taking a drink out of Brett Sumner's glass and it's pretty much vodka. Yeah. You know, they would just get hammered on the show and stuff. And uh, so it was very loose and there were supposedly pills. They would take take speed. Everyone took speed back then. It was like the ultimate weight loss drug. Yeah. That's why we're all fat now. Everybody's like obesity epidemic. It's junk food. No, it's just because we don't take we don't smoke and don't take any speed. Um, so they're that's the reds. Kind of, yeah, they're smoking, they're drinking, they're taking pills. And it's like they're they're joke. And you could see celebrities kind of just being cra- and stuff would happen on the show that was just nuts. Right. And, and we'll get to some of that. Um, but one thing that happened as the writers is, you know, that Dick Dave Bortolo guy, he he would just get more and more dirty and they were constantly running into standards and practices and so they would these fill in the blank questions would get more and more sexual so i wanted to play a few examples of that so play the the first um clip okay frank said i think harry has been working for polaroid for too long because that weirdo is looking for a teenage girl who blinks in 60 seconds (laughs) Right, right. So that's that's one example, right? Who blanks in 60 seconds. So it's obviously applied. There's a sexual innuendo. Um, and let's play the next clip. All right, here. Long John Silver says, I, pirates everywhere go crazy for me, sister, because she has a blank chest. All I can come up with is treasure. <laughs> yeah, like blank chest, right? So that's yeah. kind of... Now let's, let's go to the next clip. Okay. John fell asleep on Mary's blank. <laughs> and let's hear uh, Charles Nelson Riley's answer to that. Well, I figured Mary was uh, very oh. voluptuous and it might be very comfortable to fall asleep on her bosom. On her bosom. <laughs> and oh, that's, that, that was Charles Nelson Riley. Sorry. That was, here uh, is Charles Nelson Riley. Right. The big bad wolf said, I just came from a house where this old lady had the biggest blanks I ever saw. Boobs. <laughs> <laughs> And then this is Charles Nelson Riley. I'm an actor from the legitimate theater, so I chose busts. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of bazooms, Fanny, would you show us yours? (laughs) So there you go, right? So what was funny is boobs was okayed by the standards and practices, but they couldn't say like urinate. Uh, They'd have to use the euphemism tinkle. (laughs) Uh, they couldn't say genitalia at all. So obvious. So there's a lot of answers where Charles Nelson Riley will say toes and you yeah. can kind of get what he means. Right. And, and so um, they couldn't say fornicate or 
have sex, they had to say making love. Yeah. So there were like these euphemisms they had to. I guess making uh, whoopee use, was right? uh, trademarked by a uh, newly right. game. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so one of the one of the highlights of the show was obviously Charles Nelson Riley. And the problem with this format of podcast is you kind of have to see him. I mean, this guy was the most flaming queen, you know, ever. I mean, uh, next to Paul Lind, who we'll get into later. But he big kind of uh, fashion glasses. My wife actually has a pair of reading glasses that I say are Charles Nelson Riley glasses. They're pretty crazy. They're just big horn rim glasses. He would always wear kind of a little scarf and he'd wear like a polka dot or pink shirt. And he was just very flamboyant and very catty. Yeah, You know, he was just, and he was definitely a homosexual. And what's crazy about this is kind of like, as we alluded to in our threes company episode, I mean, people watched this and loved him. I mean, he yeah. was super popular and as we'll as we'll go over with Paul Lind, it was just weird. It's just weird to me now that people are just so uh, hateful about homosexuality. And back then, these guys had to never admit they were gay, but everybody knew they were. Yeah, you know, like and Liberace it's like why was way, yeah, right? that okay? Why did they yeah. like these people and admit they were gay, but then just not let them be who they were? You know, they right. had to hide it, even though they let it out on these shows. That's and they the were thing. awesome. Yeah. And they were awesome. They were super entertaining and funny. Um, and so let's let's go over to the um, clip where Charles Nelson Riley. Oh, oh, let me let me set this up first. So they would just do random stuff. Like, again, I mentioned they were loaded, you know, in the show. And so one time Gene Rayburn just hands over the mic to Charles Nelson Riley. And you can tell he's improvising here. He's just he's the host. So play that clip. Never gonna make it All down. All right, Charles, here's what we're gonna do. I'm tired today. Oh. I admit that freely and candidly. I, so you just I, get down here, take this. I don't mic. know how to do this. You, you get down here, you're gonna do it. I'm I've afraid. heard this snotty enough already. Take that microphone. I'm afraid. Take this card now and go over there and ask Ava Gabor what her answer is. <laughs> Hello, sweetheart. Oh, I. Oh, there's a flaw. What MC is that? Oh, there's a flaw. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So you can see how like crazy that is. I mean, obviously that's not rehearsed. I mean, I think there was a lot of stuff that was planned, but if they planned that, they made, made it really convincing to me that it was kind of off the cuff. I mean, there's actually another episode of, of and again, this is why it's a, it's kind of a challenge that we don't have a video format, but I will definitely link to this one in the Instagram um, and put a post on a link to the YouTube because you have to see this to believe it. There is one opening of match game where they actually uh, hung Charles Nelson Riley from a kind of wire and lowered him to the stage at the beginning of the show. And he's holding this taxidermied hawk. <laughs> like, it's fucking crazy. I mean, it's just like, I've never seen it. I mean, part of me was like, yeah, this a lot of the jokes aren't that funny anymore. It seems kind of lightweight to us now, maybe. But at the time, you have to look at it like no one had seen there was no reality. There was no like flavor of love type reality shows. Right. There was no like celebrity flop house reality shows where you can see like, you know, Vince Neal and Bridget Nilsson make pancakes together or whatever. They yeah. didn't have that back then. Right. There was nothing like that. So this was the closest thing to that. You could see celebrities in a way you had never seen them before. And some of these, like Suzanne Summers, is a huge star. I mean, this just thrown into the midst of this chaos, right? Yeah. So it was kind of crazy. Um, so I want to uh, play a little bit of interaction between Charles Nelson Riley and Brett Summers because this is the kind of thing that would happen all the time. They had a kind of repartee 
<laughs> Don't be deceived by her body. <laughs> you don't call, you, you call that a body? What? No, that is a body. And yeah. Brett, you have just as beautiful a body as Lee. Yeah. Oh, isn't that? <laughs> yes, Carl. Except I'd give it back because you're wrinkling it. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. How catty is that? Yeah. But it, that, the setup to that, I should have set that up better. Uh, you know, Gene Rayburn was, of course, over. There's this blonde woman named Lee, really hot. I don't know what the, I tried to look it up and figure out who this was. Lee Mer um, Merriweather, wasn't it? It wasn't Lee Merriweather. No. Oh. It was this really hot blonde in the 70s, okay. you know, really curvy and, uh, you know, like Lonnie Anderson type. I'm going to need she, you to go ahead and do some more research there. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. We'll put it in the, in the Instagram again, anything, I, anything we miss, I like to put in the Instagram and say, Oh yeah, we should have talked about this or we didn't get this right. You know? So, so at any rate, Gene is doing his usual drunken pervy kind of harassment of this woman. And that's how that started. Right. Yeah. Um, but you can see how catty, uh, you know, uh, yeah. uh, CNR is there. Um, I also should mention that Weird Al has a great song that's like a White Stripes style parody called CNR that's all about Charles Nelson Riley. It's kind of using that Chuck Norris meme to kind of talk about Charles Nelson Riley. We'll link to that as well. That is really good. Um, but I want to talk about that. So Charles Nelson Riley was really popular on the show. Brett Summers and his repartee were popular. Gene Rayburn was popular. There was no one bigger than Richard Dawson. Richard Dawson took over that show and he was the most popular. And part of the reason is he was actually good at the game. Yeah. Like he would match more than anybody. Right. So when they did these head to head matches, the, the contestant could choose which celebrity they were going to do at first, but they kind of, as we talked about in our Motley crew episode where dial MTV had to retire home sweet home because too many people were choosing it as the number one video, not giving others a chance match game did something similar with Richard Dawson. They created a celebrity wheel where you got a random celebrity to match. Uh. And of course, Richard Dawson didn't like this. He was kind of frustrated by this. Um, because he, he liked being the best and liked getting chosen and liked the attention. Um, and he just had a lot of charisma, you know, uh, people, he was kind of this debonair British guy, you know, almost kind of like, uh, I don't know, a maybe more drunk version of James Bond or something, <laughs> you know, he was, he was a huge star and, um, you know, that's why, you know, Newkirk, uh, yes, that's basically why family feud happened. Because he wanted his own show after that. And when, when Family Feud started, that was kind of the end of Match Game. There were a couple of things that led to the Match Game demise. One of, Because again, as I mentioned, Match Game was the most popular show on TV, which is really strange to me uh, watching it now. Because it's like, it's kind of funny. But again, it, I think it's because you get this window into these people and it's just outrageous and you never knew what was going to happen, right? And it was kind of fun. And then it's fun to play along with as a kid because it's so dumb. Anybody could play, right? right. Um, and so... Dawson, uh, you know, that was one thing was that Richard Dawson went to Family Feud. This is another show created by Mark Goodson that Jeff is going to go into. And that overtook uh, Match Game as the most popular daytime show. But part of the other reason is uh, they moved things around in the schedule. So Match Game had a P Matt, there was Match Game PM, which I didn't talk about. That had lasted a few years and that was popular. They canceled that. And then the Match Game afternoon show was moved to 11 a.m. 
And so like the typical afternoon shot that would uh, slot that would be watched by a lot of kids and maybe housewives and stuff wasn't there. And so that lost ratings. And and also just the formula got stale. I mean, once you're kind of you're you're pushing the envelope, you can only say boob so many times and have people think it's novel. Right. Right. So, I mean, they were kind of getting stale. It, it was just the same formula over and over again. So it just kind of ran its course. It was sad because Gene Rayburn really was depressed by this and he never really worked again. Um, and so it was kind of sad, but as far as my overall eval of the show, it had a major impact in creating family feud. Obviously it was a weird show. I think, um, I'm a little short because I don't think it really holds up. Although you can find a lot of clips of these shows. People still like game shows. There was a game show network in the nineties, which I didn't uh, mention. There's now a streaming, uh, channel called buzzer. You can watch game show network, uh, game shows on buzzer on, uh, streaming services like Tubi and Pluto. I forget which one has buzzer, but we'll straighten that out in the notes. Um, and, you know, that's basically, it seems like they're still popular, but again, I'm kind of short because I just don't see, it seems like a product of its time. Yeah, I pretty Especially much Especially the sexual innuendo thing, yeah, which I think is kind of stale. It is, and repetitive, right? There's yeah. not much interesting about it. But, you know, the thing about Match Game here, Slip, is... I, I think uh, I think we deserve to uh, you know give it a little more light here, and uh, the show deserves it. And I would like to uh, pose a couple of questions uh, to right. you. I, I'm gonna do Sounds my good. best, uh, Gene Rayburn. I, I wish I had that mic because that is the coolest fucking thing ever. That right. <laughs> that I don't know how he got that or like. But if you pull that mic out and showed it to somebody, they start laughing because they know what it was. Yeah, it was iconic. Yeah, look what it was. So all right. So I'm going to I'm going to do a couple of uh, uh questions for you and I'm going to need you to go ahead and answer these, all right? All right. Sounds okay. good. Dirty Gertie was so dirty and you're supposed to say how dirty was she, right? We're how dirty say, was she? she? She was so dirty. She liked to stick blank in her blank. <laughs> oh my god. Uh let's see. Uh uh <laughs> yeah, I, I guess if I have to, I have to comply to the match game rules, right? Um, well, I'm not going to hold you to those, but you may right. choose to do that. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'll read it again. How, dude, how about cucumbers in her biscuit? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, that's clean, uh, right? There you go. There you go. That's yeah. good. That's good. Uh, if I was Richard Dawson, I'd probably say fingers in her nose. Oh, yeah. Fingers in her nose. There fingers you go. in her nose. Yeah. Dirty Gertie was so dirty, she liked to stick fingers yeah, in her that's, nose. Yeah, I forgot to mention that they would have these characters like Lousy Lucy, Dirty yeah. Gertie, Kooky, yeah. Kooky Kramer, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. There we go. Sorry you didn't match that one, but I like no. your answer. All right. Here's the next one. Klutzy Clyde and Dizzy Doris were getting romantic after their date when he accidentally slipped his blank into her blank. These are two parters, you know? Yeah. Um, this uh, is an advanced match game. You know? Right, right, right. Uh, see, I can't, I, I just think dirty. I just think he slipped her, I think he would might, you know, if they were eating dinner or something, he might slip his sausage into her bun by accident, you know? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> His, uh, I, I think that the, the judges were going for hand in her drink, but, oh, uh, okay. but yours is okay. Uh, it's yeah. good. It's good. 
All right. Uh, well, I'm no. I'm no Richard Dawson. That's no, the problem. But, no, I like, can't be. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Last one here. You ready? Yeah. It's also a two-parter. Frustrated Franny is so upset. She recently caught her husband trying to blank her favorite blank. Uh, let's see. Uh, trying to um. I'll say ride her favorite horse. <laughs> I, I'm going to make that a match. It was Mount right. her favorite horse. There, all there, right, there you all go. Right, all right. right. There you go. All right. All right. Cool. There you go. Okay. So there you go. If you never experienced match game, everybody, you just got a sense of it. Slept very good. You win some. All right. Your supply of turtle wax or whatever. All right. Cool. Cool. There you go. All right. So. Family so feud. Family feud. All right. Well, look, family feud needs no introduction. Everybody probably um, knows if I said the following phrase, survey says, right? You would know exactly. Nah, yeah. Right? yeah. Um, I was going to have a clip of that, but I felt that was even a little, uh, a little trite. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's been on the air in one form or another for pretty much 50 years with different hosts, as you mentioned, uh, starting with Richard Dawson, had Ray Combs. The, the the guy who, uh, who committed suicide, uh, suicide. Yeah. Steve Harvey, I think Louis Anderson, um, others. Richard Dawson came back later in the in the nineties for a short amount of time, as well. Uh, quite elderly Richard Dawson at that point. But the, we're going to concentrate on the Richard Dawson version. The original run is like the mid seventies to the kind of mid eighties. Um, as you mentioned, prior to Family Feud, Richard Dawson was a well known actor. He played Newkirk on Hogan's Heroes. A show undoubtedly we'll get to at some point as a part mm-hmm. of CFX. It's almost mm-hmm. guaranteed. He was he was uh, on Match Game as you mentioned, and just like every other famous person uh, in the '70s, he was also on Love Boat and Fantasy Island. Again, uh, shows that we are guaranteed to hit at some point. Um, the first thing I'm going to talk about with Richard Dawson is just frankly how gross and creepy he was on that show, <laughs> mouth kissing all of these women. It was a huge controversy. People didn't like it. The producers didn't like it. The, or the, the, the network executives didn't like it. Um, watching clips of the episodes in preparation uh, for, for this, I, I felt I was like watching a, a live viewing of a subway groping. It, like, it, it was like I can't really imagine any of these women really desired um, being kind of like almost assaulted by you know, Richard Dawson. It's really uncomfortable to watch especially knowing that he was just like an 80,000 pack a day smoker. He's probably smelled like shit. Um, what was even maybe makes it a little worse to me is just knowing, you know, he was on Hogan's Heroes with Bob Crane. There's a, a, a parody <laughs> of uh, the intro to Family Feud. He mentions Bob Crane on, on, in the opening of the show, obviously, from Family Guy, which I'll talk about more in a second. And, you know, Bob Crane was Hogan on Hogan's Heroes and famously was murdered um, brutally and grotesquely murdered um, by, uh, well, uh, the accused person, I don't think he was ever convicted, this guy, John Henry Carpenter, who was a friend of Hit Crane to Richard Dawson introduced to uh, Bob Crane, and he was a salesperson for uh, video equipment, which Bob Crane put to use making his own home porno movies and a whole wow, other. Wow, I forgot about that Richard Dawson connection there. Yeah. He was the connection. He was wow. the connection, yeah. Now, I don't think Richard Dawson had really anything to do with those videos as far as we know or anything like that. But um, 
the I, I think that Dawson had bought a bunch of, you know, video stuff from John Henry Carpenter and then introduced Crane to him. And Crane's like, hey, I have this idea what we could use that video of equipment for. And it became like... Well, a, what did Dawson use his for? You know, it might have been the same thing. It I mean, might have been. His, uh, his behavior on the show. Could be. There's no I mean, keep in mind, that. we didn't talk about this. I don't know if you were going to mention this. He eventually married one of the contestants. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. There's, there's clips of him meeting this woman and, oh, wow. you know, like us groping her. I guess she was sort of into that. I, I guess it worked in that particular case. He was kind of a sex symbol on match game too. I yeah. think it, it's weird to think that. Cause I just don't see, I just don't see what they, but he had that kind of British charm, you he know, did. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, and by the, I mean the whole Bob Crane Hogan, you know, video thing we're going to get into at some point. Um, there's a movie they made of it with what's his face, the talk soup guy. Playing oh yeah, Bob Crane. Greg, Greg Kinnear and yeah. William Defoe, William Defoe plays John. Henry yeah, it's Carpenter. like eight millimeter or something. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, it, by the way, back to the assault video. Um, there's one of the little video montage clips is Bob Crane on um, some Hawaii uh, like vacation making oh, a video. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, that's right. And he was making fun of the ancient idols. And yes. think that might have been a curse. Yeah, um, he was cursed much in the same way the Brady Bunch were cursed, you know, when they got the little tiki guide in that very famous episode when they went to Hawaii uh, with that uh, music there. So anyway, um, Richard Dawson also uh, in the 80s played. Uh, Sorry, I'm going to interrupt real quick. The movie's called Autofocus. Autofocus. Oh, yeah, eight, yeah, eight millimeters, the one with Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Okay, anyway, yeah, go on. Yeah. yeah. Autofocus. That's right. My bad. Uh, yeah. So Richard Dawson also played in the 1987 movie uh, Running Man, uh, Damien Killian, which is uh, an exaggerated version of, of his, you know, uh, persona on. Uh, family feud and i actually think he was awesome in it he was really good by the way he's awesome in hogan's heroes he was a good actor i i love running man i i think running man really holds up i think it's really entertaining and richard dawson's one of the best fucking things about it. he's great in it yeah. you know he was a really good actor and he was yeah. charismatic and all that so you could see why um you know it kind of worked um he played a character obviously in that movie who was smoking all the time and was kind yeah. of an asshole and you know yeah drunk and you know, all that kind of stuff. And and uh, anyway, so he played a a, a uh, version of himself, really, in a way, on Running Man. That was great. Um, anyway, Family Feud maybe wasn't as overtly sexual in every twist and turn as some of these other shows, but it certainly had its moments. And I, I'm going to play a, a few of them. So here's one that is, I'll just play the clip and then I'll comment on it. So check this one out. Fine, thank you. What's your story? Well, I, I'm in young girls' pants. I manufacture <laughs> pants. <laughs> so, oh, dude. The conceit. That's awesome. The, <laughs> <laughs> so Richard Dawson would, so Family Feud, again, I, I don't know what rock you're under if you don't know this show, but it was two different families or extended families or groups of people who compete against each other. And and part of the show, he'd go and this is where he'd mouth kiss all the women and sometimes girls that were a little too young to, you know, have him pawing them for sure. But anyway, he would interview each of the people and ask what they did, who they were, that kind of stuff. And he asked this guy what he did. And the guy answers that he's in young girls pants, which, <laughs> you know, I think he realized when it came out of his mouth, that didn't quite yeah, sound good. But the look right. at the video of this, Richard Dawson is just kind of like, 
Wow. I can't yeah, believe yeah. you just said that. Um, of course, the, the, the innuendo of the clues was used for fun, too. So here's another clip um, where some old people get in on the action. Something that has to warm up before you use it, sir. How about your wife? <laughs> that, that was an elderly gentleman and his wife was standing right, right next to him. Right. Okay, so there you go. This one was, uh, you know, obviously without the video, it's a little hard. This one was a, a, was a youngish woman, probably I'd say in her late 20s, early 30s. Um, and you'll hear the setup that Richard does here. Name the first thing you take off after work. Um, underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe what I'm doing. I can't believe what I'm doing. The next question, what time do you get off of work? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So you, you kind of get the, 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 the setting there of the show. It was, you know, played for laughs. Um, Obviously, I mean, I, obviously, but I would guess that that was uh, improvised by Dawson, which is pretty fucking funny, if you ask yeah. me. Um, the, the show had this thing, you know, as you said, you explained before, where they would allegedly survey people to ask the answer to these questions. People would answer. And there's kind of a ranking. Uh, the most popular things got the highest number of points. Yeah, I can answer. I think you had a question about what the survey is. They would survey 100 people. So Where they would did just they find these geniuses? Yeah, I don't know, because in Match Game, they would actually sur survey the audience before the game. But I don't know if they, because uh, 100 people sounds like about, you know, the yeah. audience of a game show, right? So, but they didn't, uh, you know, in my research, I couldn't figure out who they surveyed, but it was 100 people. It was like a, a survey of 100 people. So maybe they would just send these out or, uh, you know, I don't know. But they would, it was just a random survey of 100 people, basically. Yeah, I wonder how random or were there professional family feud survey responses? Yeah, maybe, maybe. You know, what's your job? I answer survey questions for family feud, you know, so that's me and, you know, giving all those, those answers. These were not tough questions. They were not tough answers. When people would say ridiculous things, they were played for laughs, like the woman who takes off her underwear when she gets home from, from work, which seems interesting and maybe fun uh <laughs> according to dawson yeah. um this show was so popular that uh, of course there's many parodies of it um you can find endless videos of people giving stupid as shit answers on family feud um there's a british version of family feud uh, i'm sure there's one in every you know western country in some not western uh countries um the best parodies i found of this were actually uh from Family Guy. I'm going to play a couple of those now. Right, let's play the feud. 100 people surveyed. Top four answers on the board. Here's the question. Name something you find in your bathroom. A sink. Show a sink. <laughs> Peter, three answers on the board that can beat that. Name something you find in your bathroom. Finding your bathroom. Finding your bathroom. Richard, I'm going to go with fetus in the toilet bowl. Go us fetus in the toilet bowl. <laughs> Player pass. We're going to play. Oh, this must be your lovely wife. Oh, uh-uh. I've been waiting for this for years. Mm, 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 mm. I want to be your pinky ring. 
<laughs> so there you go. There was somebody who wanted right, Dawson right. To, to kiss her lowest uh, griffin. The last one I want to play is something that um, I don't know. I thought was pretty fucking funny because it makes a reference. It's a reference kind of up our alley and stuff like that. It makes a reference to a show we're definitely going to cover, probably an episode we're going to cover. But I thought it was uh, well-placed here. So uh, here's this. All right, Griffins, here's your chance to win the game. Name something you'd like to receive as a gift. Groceries. Assorted lotion. An Uzi. A dead squirrel. Money. All right, good answer. Yeah, good money. answer. Money. Money. Good good answer. answer. Well, Richard, my family seems to think money's the way to go, so I'm going to go with the flute that Captain Picard played first in his imagination and then in real life in the episode <laughs> The Inner Light from Star Trek The Next Generation. What? No, you idiot. We said money. Show me Picard's flute. <laughs> How did you? I was in the survey. Can you believe it? We're going to the bonus round. There you go. Oh, yeah. So, I thought that was pretty amusing. Uh, maybe yeah. you did as well. Um, yeah, that's a great episode. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so lastly, a couple other things about uh, a Dawson. Um, he had a bit role in a 70s Hanna-Barbera cartoon called Wait Till Your Father Gets Home. Do you remember this? Yes, cartoon? that is one of the weirdest cartoons ever because it's essentially kind of for adults. It is. Yeah, and it's, it, it's weird. It, it's really weird. The father... Uh, Harry Boyle is played by Tom Bosley, who of oh, course yeah. we talked about in the Happy Crappy Days episode. Um, the son was voiced by Jackie Earl Haley of uh, Bad, News Bear, Bad News Bears fame and uh, later Watchmen, right? Um, right. Willie Ames played it, the son, too, of Zapped and obviously It Is Enough and Charles in Charge fame. But the weirdest thing about this cartoon, if you watch, and we will uh, post a link to this in... Instagram, if you watch the theme song and opening video montage of the show, the teenage daughter is sexually assaulted on a date and is played for laughs. Oh, wow. It's incredibly weird that, um, you know, they, they have this on there. And it was like the, the teenage daughter goes out on a date with some beatnik looking dude, uh, comes back and her, uh, her, her, her shirt is all torn and it looks like she had been jumped on. And I was like, womp, womp, womp. Her date didn't go well kind of thing. Right. It's just bizarre. Um, lastly, about Dawson, uh, he died from smoking, various, you know, smoking-related things. Was a heavy smoker for better part of, like, 45 years. You mentioned, uh, I think, that he would smoke a cigar during the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just, like, crazy. I think he smoked, like, 80 billion packs a day, as I said uh, earlier. So there you go. He died of smoking. Don't start, kids. Um my evaluation of this, I'm, it's stupid. The show is dumb. I'm short on it, but I think it's kind of fascinating culturally. And again, like many of these things, it's kind of a, a window into a very puzzling time in our nation's history. So, What's interesting, though, is the Steve Harvey version is even more sexual. Yeah. Like it's it's like all the answers are pretty much sexual. Like yeah. it's like so that part is carried over. I do not get the popular, the enduring popularity of the show. I think it's mainly because of the family aspect. Um, and because it's easy to play, right? Yeah, it's it's probably. like it, it's like you could get the answers wrong or whatever, but it's kind of whatever, you know. That like you said, the survey methodology. Who knows about it's? The, I'm not. I'm sure it's not using the the best practices of epidemiology. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. it's uh, yeah. pretty pretty suspect, right? Gallup's not running it in you know, one no. of their measured panels. Yes. Okay, but even dumber than that <laughs> is Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares might be. 
the easiest game show. I mean, obviously deal or no deal is just picking boxes, right? Right. Um, but, but this, the rules of Hollywood squares are basically the host, Peter Marshall, right? Asks a really dumb question. And then he gives it, then the contestant has to pick, you know, it's like tic-tac, tic-tac-toe, right? Right. Just like tic-tac-toe, except you're actually choosing celebrities who sit in each square and you're trying to get all your X's in a row or all your O's in a row. One, one uh, contestant is X's, the other is O's. And you basically get to ask, choose a celebrity. And then the celebrity answers the question. And then your job is to agree or disagree. Like a 50-50 thing. Yeah. I mean, one of the questions was, does Raquel Welch like milkshakes? <laughs> in the, that was in the, early, the 60s version. And it's just like, what was the, the answer hell? yes? Yes. The answer was yes. <laughs> Who doesn't? And, yeah. And then you can agree or disagree. And and then occasionally if the celebrity kind of gives up, you know, really it's an excuse for the celebrity to make some joke first and then to answer the actual question. And that's, it's really just entertainment of watching celebrities give one-liners, right? And, yep. and then, so they ask the question, you could agree or disagree, or you could even take over and answer yourself, right? So um, there was also this thing called the secret square. I mentioned the smoking Glen Ford. Yeah. So the secret square was an additional part of the game where if you chose this square and you got it right, you know, you got your symbol X or O in the square, you would get uh, additional prizes. Um, but the show started in the sixties and it was kind of a rotating panel. And there was one guy who was really good at the game, Paul Lynn. It wasn't that he was so good at answering and having people get more right. It was that he always had a one-liner and this guy was a former stand-up. He was also in Broadway and he was played uh, the father role in Bye Bye Birdie. We mentioned that before in match game. He had had many failed sitcoms. Uh, I mean, you know, you can't believe Paul Lind as a dad because right. he's so freaking gay. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's obviously just like, nah, you know, but he was most <laughs> known for his role, as we mentioned, as Uncle Arthur in Bewitched. Um, but what ended up happening was he was so popular that they ended up giving him the coveted center square uh, a space on, on the squares. And the reason that was coveted is because in order to get tic-tac-toe, you have to call it every game. Right. Right. So, and he was known for being able to come up with these snappy one-liners. I mean, he's almost like a genius that way. Uh, just to, some of his one-liners. And he would obviously be very, you know, uh, give a lot of kind of gay answers. Like there was one famous question where, um, Peter Marshall said, how many men on a hockey team? And Paul Lynn's answer was about half, <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, so so he would give these kind of, uh, you know, stealthy answers. Another fun story is that there was one one point there was an earthquake. I think this might have been the 71 earthquake in, in Southern California. And the, the set was 40 feet high. And if you look at the set, it's like, doesn't look that secure. Yeah. Every, every star ran out of the set got out of their square, ran down the stairs when the earthquake happened. Paul Lynn just sat tight because he's a fucking badass. Yeah. He fucking didn't care. Right. Um, eventually he got so popular. He got co-billing, you know, so it would be like Hollywood squares with Peter Marshall and Paul Lynn. And that's when they were filming in Vegas the last couple of years. Um, it's interesting to note the show was, they tried to bring back the show a couple of times after Paul Lynn was no longer on it. Um, it never really panned out. They even had a match game Hollywood squares hour where they combined the shows in the mid eighties. It's come back here and here. They even had a show called hip hop squares. I don't know if that was on BET or MTV. I forget, but it was just a bunch of rappers. And so it's kind of come and gone, but really 
the 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 really why I want to focus on Paul Lind is because I think the show's success was tied into him being there, and unfortunately, he was a terrible alcoholic. Um, you know, I think he had a hard time with not being able to be himself. You know, he had to kind of pretend. You know, that's why he would throw in these answers, these stealthy answers, and we'll play a few clips of him doing that. Um, and uh, I think that made him, um, you know, depressed. But he was a really mean drunk. Supposedly, he would get drunk and he would just, you know, his wit. He would just use it against you, and he was really hard to be around. But he died very young at 55 of a heart attack from mm. probably all this drinking. But let's – I just really wanted to to – I just couldn't figure out another way to kind of celebrate Paul Lind and what a great, amazing person he was and, like, how witty he was other than covering the show, and I kind of wanted to do that. And, and he also um, – you know, on YouTube, you can find reels of just people with his one-liners, and that's where I got a lot of this stuff. And so I think there's still kind of a minor cult of Paul Lind. We should also mention that there is a crossover with Kiss, and I we will put this on Instagram for sure because this is insane. He had this one Halloween special, and it has Kiss on it, and it's the first appearance of Kiss on live television. And it's crazy, right? <laughs> I mean, him introducing Kiss is, like, so hilarious, and he's so funny, like, um, both intentionally and unintentionally. Yeah. You know, uh, but let's play a few clips of Paul Lynn. Okay. I, I'll just string them all together. How yeah, just that? shotgun them. Just yeah. shotgun them. Yeah. Do you understand the question? What is the most common topic of gossip among young women? Well, last week it was the rumor about Wilt Chamberlain and <laughs> Olga Corbett. Biggest <laughs> <laughs> uh, star. Thank you. Since my name is Paula, I've got to go with Paul Lynn. All right. Paul. Uh, was Snow White a blonde or a brunette? Snow White, was she a blonde or a brunette? Only Walt Disney knew for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Studies in the Height Report. In the Height Report, did most women surveyed say they enjoyed lovemaking? Who cares? <laughs> Dude, that one's funny, right? That one's like, awesome. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Like, people all know what he's talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Yet he couldn't just show up with his boyfriend somewhere. You know, obviously yeah. he could among friends, but it was like he couldn't, you know, and they were, they were, they would ask him questions like, you know, what makes a happy marriage? And it's like, it, it's just weird hearing a man. It's uncomfortable because you obviously know, you know, he's like, oh, a, a loving husband and wife and all this. And it's like, yeah. No, he's just fucking making shit up, you know. Yeah. Anyway, go on. According to studies, Paul, will being breastfed, breastfed make you smarter? Well, I missed three questions last week, so I'm willing to try anything. <laughs> $150, Paul. At a recent party, Liz Taylor had 1,000 little diamonds and 25 large ones decorating a part of her body. Which part? Um, her chin. <laughs> <laughs> is that what i think he's saying like you, pearl you, necklace is oh. that like <laughs> maybe i actually didn't think about that but yeah that is like when i heard that that's the first thing because like her chin what's that joke it's like diamonds on her chin imagine yeah. that visual that's pretty gross you yeah. Know? Oh, yeah i don't know what else that would be about right what else would that be about it's maybe so, he's making a fat joke or something potentially oh maybe maybe yeah that's I what know. i thought it was is you oh, know okay Liz Taylor I guess I have, later uh, I guess I have a really dirty mind. Yeah. Well, um, anyway. All right. <laughs> the tin man wanted a heart and the lion wanted courage. What did the straw man want? He wanted the tin man to notice. <laughs> <laughs> funny, right? Yeah, he's, he's funny. With, yeah. 
Historians say that King Henry VIII had Anne Boleyn beheaded because she couldn't do one particular thing. What? <laughs> Convince Henry VIII he was Henry I. <laughs> <laughs> See, he's so quick. Yeah. He's so quick. He just comes up with that shit like yeah. on the fly. He's amazing. It doesn't seem like that was written beforehand. No, really. I don't think any of these are. You can see him thinking like yeah. on the show. I mean, you know, I don't think they were written just based yeah. on the way they're delivered. Yeah. Okay. Paul, true or false, studies at the University of Wisconsin show that you'll probably live longer if you love only one man or woman at a time. But it is all right to alternate. Or <laughs> <laughs> false, a woman was fired from a university cafeteria for failing to spread mayonnaise to the edges of sandwiches and being too slow with the sauerkraut. I'd just like to slap her silly. <laughs> See, dude? That's awesome. But also, how dumb is that question? Yeah. True is. or false? A woman yeah. was smart. I, uh, it's got to be true, right? I mean, right. that's like, why would they ask that? Yeah. You know, uh, it's just so dumb. It is. Anyway, the final one, I think, you know, this one could have been pre written. It's so good. All right. Um, According to doctors, now, Ralph here's a doctor. He may know this. According to doctors, can spending a night in a sleeping bag do anything good for you? <laughs> I'll say my den mother bought me a Corvette. <laughs> uh, den mother? Maybe he was talking yeah, about yeah, the Boy yeah, Scouts. Yeah. Well, he could, he couldn't, he couldn't say that. Yeah. He couldn't say that, right? I guess. But you know, you get, you get it. It's, it's, it's really funny. You know, it's yeah. like, and I think, I think, I think he's a really cool kind of person to look back on at that time, and and how witty he was. I think kind of stands up. As for the game show. It's just stupid, you know, and it's like, it's weird. Again, it's weird that I watched this because I wouldn't have gotten a lot of those jokes, you know, yeah. some of them I probably would have got, but that last one, I wouldn't have really connected that, you know, but um, at any rate, that's kind of where I stand on Hollywood squares. Again, I'm kind of short on all of this in a way, but it's been really fun to revisit these. Yeah. Um, but I think the reason we did the show um, <laughs> is in the title of the show, because there is one notorious one. And, and, and this game shows kind of different than what we were doing before. But I think, Jeff, we're going to go into the newlywed game, which was created by Chuck Barris. Yeah. OK, so the newlywed game in its classic formation was hosted by Bob Eubanks. And it's pretty much the standard bearer for what we're talking about in this episode for the salacious, you know, period sort of thing. If you mention the phrase making whoopee. To anybody who lived through the 1970s, I'll instantly mention the newlywed game. There's no way around the fact, though. Uh, look, this show is dumb as shit. The participants were pretty much the same. The, the entire show is basically set up to, you know, get dirty answers at a, at a guest. And the clues were designed to do it. And to I think what was interesting about this, interesting in quotes, is, you know, it was regular people very clearly Folks from all over, you know, middle America, these were not like sophisticates in any way. And it was supposed to elicit sexual, uh, you know, innuendo out or flat out sexual things, as we'll talk about, out of the guests. Um, this show also is probably, um, you know, it's the most notorious example of a game show answer in history. Um, the title of this episode, In the Butt Bob, is a, is a famous legend. And, and we'll get to that and we'll, we'll talk about that. But I want to um, talk about some other clips, uh, too, just to kind of give you the flavor 
uh, of what's going on here. So first, I'm going to play a clip. Um, Self-explanatory. Say he is uh, basically more urban or rural, Kathy. I don't know what they mean. (laughs) You know it. Um, You married him. What do you think? Uh... uh, Heck, he's urban. He's urban. Yeah. How long has he been that way? About two months. Two months he's been. Do <laughs> you, you think there's anything he can do about it? He went to a doctor. Oh, he did. Give him anything for his urban? He gave me something. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know if, you know, maybe knowing the difference between urban and rural is not that sophisticated, right? I mean, this woman's not the brightest bulb in the box. The writers must have had some kind of clue they were dealing with here, right? And the answer, you know, urban, rural, just pick one, whatever it is. It's a 50-50 kind of guess. That's not what they were after. It's kind of the idea you're talking about with, with Hollywood Squares a little bit. One thing I just want to say about this clip that I found that was really fucking funny, and one of the reasons I included it, is there's a YouTube comment associated with this clip. And the comment said, that, I'm going to read it because it's amazing. This woman who is, who is in the clip was kind of an attractive blonde-ish looking woman, the blonde maybe in quotes, but... That 70s kind of Sally Struthers look <laughs> right, kind of thing. Right. Here's, the, here's the comment. That's my aunt. The marriage ended after 13 years when my uncle got with an assistant manager from the Piggly Wiggly. They tried to work it out, but to no avail. My aunt never married again. She left us in 2017. The blonde hair wasn't real, but the COPD from a lifetime of menthols was real. Wow. Wow, right? Wow, man. Wow. <laughs> now I don't know if that's real comment, I, but uh it's I pretty know, great comment. Yeah. If it's not real, it's amazing for being a fabrication. Yeah, yeah. For being like dialed in believable and all that. So right. anyway, I just thought that the comment made it worth playing that clip. Uh, more of, I'm building up to where we're going here, more of the flavor of this. So here's another clip. What was the most infantile suggestion you made to your wife on your first date, Joe? Uh, why don't you eat something? All right. Patty says the most infantile suggestion was that uh, that she should, shouldn't be so close-minded. I should be looser, you know. Uh, you you were loose enough that night. Don't. <laughs> 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 well, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he probably wasn't so worried about her being loose on their, their yeah. first date, right? So there you go. All right. I, you get the it's flavor, all, it's right? obviously the spirit of the show and the vibe of the show. It's obviously a matching game, right? They're trying to match each other. But that extra comment kind of shows what the vibe of the show is supposed to be That's and what right. was encouraged on the show. It was in, all the sexual innuendo stuff is really the titillation is why, you know, what they wanted out of this show, right? It, that's what the producer, exactly. that's what Chuck Barris wanted. That was probably encouraged. Um, and that's why that extra comment was great, you know, uh, and probably something they wanted the the kind of thing they wanted to happen. Exactly. All right. This one is not innuendo in any way. Uh, mm-hmm. Self-explanatory here as well. 
Most of the electricity in our home flows from the blank to the what? From the plug to the vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, wow. Yeah. I, I got to imagine, like, you know, vibrator jokes are probably fairly risque, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is, that's by far the most risque thing we've played here. I well, mean, uh, <laughs> yes, so far. Oh, yeah, so far. The Newlywood game, I think that's why we're ending with it. It's kind of the most over the top. In yeah. That. Yeah. Like, I don't know what they were hoping to elicit out with that question. I mean, the questions are yeah. all, you know, you know, set up for that. Here's another one, you know, real quick. What will your husband say is the one thing he absolutely forbids you to put on his wiener? Ben Gay. <laughs> what? So th- this brings up a host of questions. I gotta go oh, into. Yeah, yeah. So okay, obviously, instead of saying hot dog or something, that they said wiener to elicit exactly oh, yeah. what happened. On per- you know, certainly on purpose. Why is she running around trying to put Ben Gay on his dog? Right. Like, wh- like wh- what is going on in that house where that is, where she's chasing after her husband to try to put Ben Gay and he's like, oh, no, don't put, don't put Ben Gay on my dick. Or like, I don't even understand what, what's going on there. So, yeah. All right. Not all of them are sexual. There's some other funny kind of 70s things happening on the show. Here's one that uh, I want to play. It's not sexual, but it's funny. Sleptis is for you, right? All right. The people on the other side of your street have more of than you do. Cars. Cars. Your wife said they have more, more grass than you do. Grass. I wouldn't bet on that. (laughs) (laughs) So this is like a hippie-looking dude, you know, with long hair. (laughs) How awesome is that? That is good. That is. I wouldn't bet on that. He's all laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, here's more of the sexual stuff. How long will your husband say his inseam is? Nina? Seven inches. Seven inches. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Standard issue, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, and then um, the last thing, uh, two more before we get into the the main attraction. What will your husband say is the last thing he loaded? (laughs) Pam? Me. People tuned in for this. Yeah. The, this was the a last thing show. he loaded. It's like even the writing is so bad on that question. <laughs> like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. What, what, I mean, she's supposed to say what? Uh, a gun or yeah, I know. Uh, a car? It's, so, it's such a specific or, verb and it's not even phrased in the question that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it, it's like, it's so weird. Here's another one in that same vein, right? Other than popcorn, what is your favorite thing to nibble on at the movies, Steve? Ooh, I'm going to get shot. Uh, her boobs. I don't know if you... <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he's just nibbling on her boobs right in the movie theater. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, what, 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 kind theater, what kind of theater... What kind of... A, what kind of theater was this? Yeah, yeah. And two, did Bunny Carlos work there? Oh, yeah, that's right. Bunny Uh, Carlos, the porn projectionist of world renown. Yeah, so, all right. 
Okay, so now let's Cut, talk cutting about... Cutting to the chase. Yeah, cutting, cutting to the this chase. This is the clip, all right? The clip you've all been waiting for. So right. there's this... Um, there's this urban legend, right, where um, the, <laughs> the the urban legend is so. I mean, I'll let Bob Eubanks explain something here. So, in the butt, Bob is an urban legend. It'll probably be on my tombstone. You know. So uh, that's Bob Eubanks talking about how there's this urban legend um, that on the Newlywed Show. And again, he'll explain it here. And the answer is supposed to be in the butt, Bob, right? And he'll, I'll let Bob take it away here. Bob, go. Let's talk about some of the most memorable moments uh, from the Newlywood game. What's the old urban legend? You know, where's the strangest, most unusual place you ever made whoopee? Uh, that was, that was, didn't make it on the air. Um, but she actually said that. Well, she said worse. All of a sudden, the, the, there was a, uh, an urban legend that went out there that said, I said, where's the strangest, most unusual place you've ever made whoopee? And the lady was supposed to have said, well, that would be in the butt, Bob. And uh, that never happened. That never happened. Okay, so what are we talking about on this show? Urban legend in the butt, Bob, never happened. What actually did happen, though, that, and why we're so amused by this? So here's Bob again. There is this little... Caucasian lady from Pennsylvania, right? Her name is Olga. And I said, where's the strangest, most unusual place you've ever say, play, made whoopee? And she says, in the ass. I said, no, Olga, no, 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 no. It has to be a location. Oh, oh, sorry. You know, so that, that didn't make it on the air. We cuckooed that one out. Cuckoo. <laughs> <So, laughs> cuckoo. Oh, yeah, they play a cuckoo sound, right? Yeah, they play cuckoo. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, match game too, they would play like a buzz. Like when someone said like genitalia or something, they shouldn't say, they'd be like, they'd play like this. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, they would bleep it out. I just like that. Like Bob was like, yeah, we just cuckooed it out. Like, like that's like such a familiar thing. Also, by the way, when she says in the ass, he says it's not a location. Technically that is a location, but maybe not the one Bob was talking about. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, you've heard about it. You've heard us talk about it a little bit. You heard Bob Eubanks talk about it. Here's the real deal with no cuckoo. This mm-hmm. actually happens. This is not an urban legend. Here we go. Let's hear from Olga herself. Tell me where specifically is the weirdest place that you personally, girls, have ever gotten the urge to make whoopee? The weirdest place, <laughs> Olga? Um. <laughs> yes, Olga? In the ass? Uh. <laughs> no, no, no. No, the weirdest location. <laughs> the That's weirdest awesome. place. He's like, dry it. The weirdest place. What's the weirdest place? In the ass. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Actually happened. It wasn't in the butt, Bob, which is actually kind of funnier. She said in the ass. Yeah, that's the weirdest. Yeah, place. like he said, it's worse. Yeah. Like, it's worse. It's more, like, in the ass is worse. It, it is. is. Yeah. It is. Both are hilarious, but in the ass is, like, it's just more graphic sounding. <laughs> it is more graphic. <laughs> the, the thing about this, and, of course, we're going to link to the video of this uh, in our on a, the Instagram site. Oh, the definitely. best part is the husband of this woman just kind of, like, grinning from ear to ear, kind of laughing. Oh, when, yeah. When she, when she's saying this. It's the most 70s people looking people ever too with the leisure suit the whole the whole thing is insane 
But yeah, this is probably the dirtiest thing that's ever been on TV. Apologies to Mrs. Cleaver on, on, on that one. One thing I just wanted to add uh, a couple things here. One, Bob Eubanks is a funny guy. And, you know, the in the butt Bob kind of urban legend, he had an idea about that. I want to play another clip about that. Book. Yeah, I did. You know, I tried to get clever. I called it. It's in the book, Bob. You know, I wanted to. I wanted to cross out butt and put book in there on the on the cover, but the publisher didn't like that idea. <laughs> I thought it would have been cool. It'd be cool. It would have yeah. been cool. Yeah, he's, he's, he's still got that voice. So. Yes, yeah, he got the voice. It would have been yeah. cool. But he did name his his memoirs in the book, Bob. But his idea was great. How awesome yeah. would it be to see that with like butt crossed out with book? Right. Publisher was an idiot because that would have been genius, actually, yeah. that, to, to have that. Um, you get the idea from all these clips, you know, what the setup of the show was. If you've never heard it, Bob sort of viewed himself as a, a, a conduit here, you know, to, to make all these dirty moments happen. So here's Bob explaining that a little bit. I was a conduit between the format and the audience at home. And what I tried to do is react and ask questions that I felt the audience would want to. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, this, this was important culturally for him to interpret, you know, Olga talking about liking it in the ass or right, right. the strangest place being in the ass or whatever it is. So anyway, there's the newlywed game for, for people. Um, I, you know, look, it, it's amazing. If you look at some of the people who are, are on this show, they're obviously encouraged overtly to say, you know, salacious things. There was sort of, you know, maybe at least even a, a tacit uh, expectation they would during the audition process. Um, couples who had boundary issues were certainly selected for, you know, there's a lot of clips of, you know, women beating their husbands with the, with the cards and, you know, getting all mad. Oh, and, yeah. You know, all that, that, that kind of stuff. I, I can't imagine the, the number of people who are still married after appearing on that show is anything more than like maybe in the 20 percentile that something like that if that um this was not um you know this was not uh, a standard bearer for the heights of our cultural aspirations as it were a couple last things here on this uh, for people who couldn't get enough of this show hasbro purveyor of quality games everywhere had three home editions of the newlywed game um during the 60s and 70s and even including a special rarely seen red box edition um, that uses, uh, you know, similar questions and things like that. There, there's a cookbook entitled the newlywed, newlywed game cookbook. What the newlywed game had anything to do with cooking? Yeah. No idea. Bob Banks was on the cover. So there you go. This is the best part. There's a video slot machine based on the newlywed game that was released in the mid 2000s. And it didn't have Bob Eubanks. It had Jim Lang on it, who is the dating game host guy. Yeah, which that's weird. weird. So I guess Bob Eubanks didn't get paid. And they're like, he's like, no. Again, I think Jim Lang hosted a couple of other shows, too. Like all these guys, including Bob Eubanks and Jim Lang, hosted multiple shows. Obviously, each of them was known for the dating game and newlywed game, respectively. Yeah. So, yeah, it is weird to have him. Maybe maybe they couldn't get the right. Maybe Bob Eubanks didn't release the rights to for them to use his image yep. uh, or something like that. And this is good news for you, Slip, but uh, the Newlywood Game theme is on an album, LPs, albums all over the place, including a game show approved. Uh, I need to game get show that Network game show theme, dude. We know, didn't even themes. play Card Sharks, which is another kick-ass game show yeah. theme that's super synth out. Um, yeah, 
I'll play that on our outro, so don't worry. Cool. Um, but anyway, there's the CD for you. Maybe I, I can get that uh, for Christmas for you if you uh, don't already have it. And that's the new the newlywed game. I mean, I mean, uh, I'm short on it, but I got to be long just on. I'm long that. on it, dude. You've convinced me. I I was laughing so much at those clips. I'm like, bring this shit back. Let's get yeah. it back on the air. I'm totally of the, of these games. I think the newlywed game was the most overtly uh sexual and yeah. it's also the i think it was the funniest i mean i love paul lynn but it's like these clips were incredible <laughs> dude bring it back bring can you it imagine back. like people yeah. today with like oh yeah cable? i know that's what i'm thinking yeah I'm thinking, yeah oh, well that's the kind of bummer you know what that's why that's why actually the evaluation should be short because if you had it on cable it would just be like dirty and it wouldn't be the whole idea of you can't say this stuff is what makes it funnier that's right right and and they're having to use innuendo and i think maybe that's the thing that should sum this up is that the innuendo thing now we can just say you know fuck on a cable show and it would you know it it, a network television and censorship it just isn't as much of a thing because there's venues for that right whereas before it was what you couldn't say that made it so funny Right. You know, because what would get cuckooed out as right, right. Exactly, exactly. So maybe that's the final word on that. Yeah. And it's a time when that was pushing the boundaries, but the boundary can just be, you know, passed on now. So you wouldn't really, even though Family Feud kind of still does it and stuff, it's just like, I don't know. It just doesn't have the same barrier that it had then. That's Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what made it kind of taboo, right, is you had these people saying things they shouldn't be saying or implying. Right. Exactly. Right. So, yeah, definitely. So anyway, that's the story, Uh, you know, short, I think, for the reasons you said, but long in that it represents maybe the the single greatest moment in television history, uh, at least viewed through certain lenses. So on that note, I think we'll wrap this episode 18 up in the butt, Bob, which is technically in the ass, Bob, right? Not in the butt, Bob. So um, there you go. Uh, the G-rated version would be in in the podcast, Bob. That's right. That's right. You know, with, with a butt uh, crossed out there. So thanks for listening. This has been episode 18. I'm Jeff. That's Slip. All right. And you'll hear card sharks on our outro here. And then, All right, cool. Uh, awesome. All right. Love Later. card sharks. Ha, ha, ha.